Shafee. Shafee, are you there? Got it. Night has fallen once again upon the environs of the hill country, central Texas, Austin to be exact, to be more exact. Matthew Ramby's back porch. I'm Schaefer Hall. You know how it is. You know how it is when you get to episode 130. At 130, there's got to be a the old word shop. At 130, there's got to be a there's got to be a poetry corner. And maybe that's all. Maybe it'll be a short short episode tonight. You never know. Or maybe it'll be a long one. It's the nice thing about one magical hour. Could be a magical 40 minutes, could be a magical 80 minutes. Most often it's a magical 60 minutes. But I'll tell you, every one of those one magical three quarters to one and a quarter hour, we are joined by this guy. He podcasts a long shadow. He's drinking Russian vodka right now. Don't <laughs> tell anyone. He's Matthew Rampy. Hello, Matthew. Oh, this podcast, you are a friend of mine. I like to talk and waste a little Shafee's time. Did I review some Disney? Did we define some words? Did we chat with Mike Sammons? Did it sound quite absurd? And I, although I have been on a tequila kick, I am drinking vodka tonight. It's not Russian vodka. I, I will say, though, the, uh, when, I, when I bought the vodka that I'm drinking, not... Not too long ago, I, I I used to like Stoli. At least used to like Stolichnaya vodka. Yeah, and I have had totally gotten on. Mostly, it's either Deep Eddy or Dripping Springs, but they didn't have the size bottle of Deep Eddy I wanted. And the Dripping Springs bottle, my liquor cabinet. Here's a little Matthews minutia, just to just to get right into the segments here. Um, my liquor cabinet. Is kind of this cabinet under the peninsula and we have the liquor like underneath the cabinet. And then there's a, a kind of a sh higher shelf in there that the liquor is on. Some of those tall vodka bottles don't fit in my mm -hmm. liquor cabinet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I got, I'm drinking frankly organic vodka, which mm -hmm. is another Texas product. It's okay. It's not great. I'm, I, I give it, like four avocados, maybe. Oh, wow. You know, I really like both Deep Eddie and Dripping Springs. I rate them pretty highly. I give them seven avocados. It's been a long time since I bought a Russian vodka, and now we're boycotting. So I should I should have picked up that bottle of Stoli while I could. Twenty years ago, I would have told you Stoli was the only way to go, the only name in vodka. Uh, you know, then Tito's came along. Tito makes great. Tito's did make quite good vodka. I feel like there came a time when their production got large and their oh, really? product is not quite the same in my estimation. I don't know. I, you know I, yeah, I haven't really, I wouldn't say that I've tested it out necessarily because about the time that I opened the Mongoose, about 2012, uh, I got turned on to Monopolova. Uh, and you like Monopolova? Made in... Made in Austria. I think it's one of those weird things. It's like a Polish vodka, but it's made in Austria. Oh. All has to do with some, like, you know, <coughs> pre-Iron Curtain stuff or post-Iron Curtain stuff. Um, and that one is excellent, hands down. Like, you know, and there are people who swear by it. People swear to you, like, it'll never give you a hangover. And, like, I don't know about that, but... Can we um, stop down for just a second? Somebody, did you hear that? Somebody just ran into my car? Possibly. 
Well, I can't locate the kerfuffle, so who knows? <laughs> okay. My car looks okay, though? Yeah. We, have, we also have a rental van out front. I know. I was wondering about that, too. Yeah, you notice the very large van out front of your house, yeah. Yeah, I like uh, Monopolova. You know, if that had happened to my car, that would have been the second time that that had happened to that same model car. The car was destroyed, broadsided by a drunk lady in my neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Which, like, it just so happened to happen right before the, right before uh, lockdown, uh -huh. which meant that I didn't have a car payment through lockdown. Oh, well. So that was good. It worked out. Um, if you, if that were to happen again, would you go for uh, a third Lincoln? Uh, probably, because now, like, I, these days I have just, like, the full... Balls out every kind of insurance you can imagine on that thing. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a lovely car. I actually I admire it every time I see it. I actually wouldn't see have. I'd be like, all right, here we go again. But this time they would actually be paying for the whole thing, no matter what happened out there. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well. Um, I got the shut up and give me another one insurance after the last experience. Is that right? Yeah. Um. What were we talking about? Vodka? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, Luke and Andrew were going on about this on TBTL. Like, most of what we think of as Russian vodka isn't even made in Russia. Is it not? Like, Stoli is Latvian. Oh, it is. Um, but it Stoli does have Russian ties. Uh -huh. But, like, Smirnoff, it's a dude who escaped, like, Russian authoritarianism's, like, 150 years ago and then like was it was made in tennessee i think i see i see uh and then it's all of course owned by these global corporations that have nothing to do with russia so there's all that but i can tell you for sure monopolova that's all that's none of that's russian okay and tito's of course yeah, I mean, I, dripping springs of the world. A lot. I've I've only been drinking. We're gonna Texas, be okay. Texas vodkas for a long time. I'm so glad that we made those preparations for just a moment in history as this. Like, really got our vodka making down here in Texas because if we were still yeah. dependent on the Russians for that, just in case a half crazed Russian oligarch invaded the Ukraine. Is it the is it Ukraine or the Ukraine? Ukraine, yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You tell me. I, I, you know, it's kind of the same thing as uh, you know. Well, just all these things, I, Gabagool, like changing it all has to do with where vowels fall in words, and. Like it, it doesn't seem natural for like the Western, for Western scansion to have to start a word with a vowel, right? So the so Ukraine to say oh tomorrow we'll be going to Ukraine, uh, it it, it it requires the the brain wants to put that the in there to separate. To separate that that opening vowel, and in America we used to say that, right? The Ukraine. Yeah, but that had nothing to do with. There's not. There's nothing. A Ukrainian would not think. Does not think of their country with a with a, with an article in front of it or with a. What about the Netherlands? That also has an article in front of it. Maybe, but maybe that's different. I think maybe because. No, they got they got a whole other name too. They got Holland. Yeah, the, when you when you call it the Netherlands, you're talking about it in relation to something else. So then that might bring the, the into it that way. Well, isn't it um, in relation to Germany? Yeah, like uh, it's the Low Country, right? It used to be part of Germany, and now I don't know. So Holland is Germany's well, nether regions. Welcome to oh, welcome to poorly understood well, history lessons. To. A Matthew and Shafee podcast car wreck. Will this episode be called <laughs> Germany's Private Parts? I mean, it's it's uh, 
It's 3-1 is the date. It's episode 130. Another auspicious bit of numerology. Mm -hmm. It's Mardi Gras. And I feel like dancing. I feel like kissing all the cowboys and shooting out the lights. All right. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I I do. There's a reference to the parody. (laughs) Um, I know those words. But but at the same time, you know, we're, we're a week into a war. That's going to affect all of our lives. I'm really, really caught between two worlds here, bud. Party or war? (laughs) What do you prefer? Hey, get at us, one magical listener. If we... uh, (laughs) You prefer party If we find things... Or, you know, in this difficult evening, if we find things running slow, we can just queue up uh, Archai on the... uh, our guy in the truck to come by again because Matthew got a recording of that guy. We finally got a recording of the truck with train wheels. So you, the listener, will finally be able to hear him. We got started a little late tonight. I was lamenting it because, and I was like, "Oh, you know, because here comes the guy. We're gonna miss him. He's not gonna be on the show." And then Matthew intrepidly put down his drink. Well, we picked had... up his laptop and ran to the back of the yard. I mean, we had just gotten the. Riverside up and running. Yeah, it was it. It it, the timing was fine. It was perfect. And you being a little late was no big deal. We had a bunch of nonsense going on around here, a bunch of yada yada. Uh huh. And so, uh, you know, that was fine. I I didn't even feel like you were really late. Sometimes I'm like raring to go, but other times like I'm barely making it myself. So that all worked out. I I want to swing back around to vodka, and we're gonna get back to. Matthew, have you ever wanted to party or go to war? Uh-huh. Uh, but did I ever told you about the time that I smuggled a bunch of bottles of vodka in my carry-on in from Russia to the UK? <laughs> no. I had been in Russia. We've talked about this before on the show, right? I, I went to Russia yeah. in the summer of, of 1997. With first guest Andrew Porter. Yeah. And um, huh, that's funny. <laughs> first guest yeah. yeah and uh i was going back to the uk and spending about another month and i was visiting friends that people were letting me stay with them and this is not a <laughs> russians love vodka is not like a joke like that is a very real thing it is a very real part of their culture and most people's everyday lives and uh, vodka is inexpensive in Russia. You can get nice vodka and a kiosk on the street, and it's it is not expensive. And so I thought they sell all these like 0.5 bottles, you know. And I I so I loaded up on 0.5. I think it was Stoli, you know, uh, bottles. I think I had like seven or eight of them, and I fit them in this in my carry on, and we're. On the flight back to the UK and the customs part comes up on the flight. <laughs> and it was, do you have anything to declare of any of certain value? And do you have any of this and this and this? And I think liquor was one that one of the things. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I didn't want to get in trouble. So I I filled out my form and when we got off the plane, I got in the line to declare something. And I remember I got up to this counter, these British customs agents, and I was just like, hey, guys, I I think I've got to, like, pay some duty on this because, like, I bought I brought all these bottles of liquor for my friends. And they looked at me like I was the dumbest mofo they had ever seen <laughs> in the world. And just uh, just I'll probably also just a little bit of pity or just like an ignorant kid. They're just like, ah, you kid. And I remember this customs agent was kind of like. He let me know that I was infringing on the law, but they didn't. I don't think they wanted to do like bother with the paperwork to get the the change out of me that I needed to pay duty on this liquor on this liquor. And uh, so they kind of just waved me through. But I remember that what I really remember is the look they gave me like you stupid, stupid lad. Uh-huh. Would you think you're there saying you're stupid for declaring it? Or? I think they, uh, yes, I think they thought I was stupid for declaring it. Yeah. <laughs> or I don't know, or bringing it. Or I, I don't, do, I don't really know. They just assume that everybody who comes off the, um, 
off the flight from Moscow is a bunch of vodka, eight bottles of vodka. Yeah, yeah. In retrospect, it was all it was all pretty foolish. You were like, um, yeah, I was no, glad she, to have. You just got off a flight from from Moscow. Of course, you have eight bottles. Like, of vodka. I was prepared to like. I didn't know what the taxation on it would be. I was prepared to just relinquish I mean, it. it. Couldn't yeah, it couldn't have been prohibitive, right? Like. <sighs> It was definitely something that you were supposed to declare. Yeah. Well, I declare. Um, I was glad to have prezzies to give my my friends. No. Um, not that anybody really cares for a bottle of vodka as a present. <laughs> if it's a bottle, bottle of vodka straight from the streets it, it, of that seems Moscow. Fun Moscow. 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 Yeah. Um, those were good times. So, do we want to talk about the war? <laughs> the war. It really is. Is it the war? So we just in America, we just say war. I think in Yemen they would disagree, but in America we call it W. W W one W W two. I always thought that that was really silly. G W Bush. You should only you should only abbreviate abbreviate it to to W W two if you're writing. Then it's shorter. But if you're saying it out loud, that's a whole bit of mo- bunch more syllables than you don't like it when people say World War Three. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's just a gross inefficiency. Yeah, so I like this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of extra syllables on this podcast. That's true. <laughs> I shouldn't worry about too much about the extra syllables that might be out there. Uh, you know, yeah, I told you until we got the word on the street from your second grade. Son, you know, my mind hadn't really gone to World War Three yet. It had uh, no. That surprises me. Uh, yeah. Based on the I- events of the last week, I just feel like <clears throat> that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> that's definitely where the where my mind had already gone. Probably not. I just, you know, I feel like even with, you know, like people talk about China being a hotspot too, it just seems like we're all so financially in bed together that, not, you know, not, as long as it, it never makes financial sense for anybody to do this, then. Well, we'll see if that bears out because, you know, let's see if our actions, which are basically just financial sanctions, pat, pat slaps on the bottom. <laughs> Um, I mean, I realize that Russia is not evading, invading Ukraine for any financial reason. They're, I mean, mostly, well, mostly that seems to be a... Are, are they not? I mean... I mean, what, it's a cold water port or something like that. Or deep water port. Okay, but it's more like they want, or Putin seems to want to reestablish like the Russian control of that whole region that once was the Soviet Union. Yeah, okay, yeah, there's like this Soviet pride, which I don't know if I buy that either. Well, but it's not, it's not so much Soviet pride, it's just like, it's, it's, it's just consolidating power. He's trying to consolidate his block of power, and he doesn't want Western democracy encroaching. That's the big thing. Is was, I mean, that what's happened in the last eight years since Yanukovych was ousted, and and they started doing, they started trying democracy. It, it's a real threat to Putin's authoritarian thing. Or at least that's what we're being told, right? Is happening. It it makes sense when you view it in a certain cold, hard, rational light. Not that I'm capable of that. If we want to, uh, if we want to really get to the bottom of this, we should get Derek on for a conversation. Derek. He's my friend who works for the Library of Congress, Derek Mix. What's his Derek Mix? Yes, right. I couldn't remember his last. He uh, and he works to he prepares briefs on the state of things in Eastern Europe for anyone in Washington who needs them. Like if some 
congressman or something has to give a speech on agriculture production in East Germany or something. Would he also prepare a brief for just a homespun podcast? Uh, he might. He might. <laughs> or he might just, just give us his two cents over the over the phone. Or he might not even do that. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe he's not professional. Maybe he's, maybe he's busy. Yeah. Could be a busy time for him, right? Could be, yeah. <laughs> Life in the big city. That's how it yes. goes. Yes. Yes, robot. Remind me, I, I need to send you some some uh, songs that Gabby recorded. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, spiritual counselor. Uh, and Miss and House Pacific Northwest Mystic Gabby uh, recorded some really nice uh, acoustic songs. Maybe I'll I'll send them both to you. Maybe we can use one for the end of the end of the show today. Oh, that'd be great. They're really cool songs. Uh, she said, inspired heavily by the Morgan Fay legends. Oh, so <laughs> now remind me who Morgan Le Fay was. She's the like, is that like Morgana? Yeah, like, was she Arthur's sister? Yeah, maybe so. Or Merlin's concubine, or... I think she was Arthur's sister. But she was a sister. Morgana. You know what I know for, about this from? What? Is the... Um, Disney movie? The Del Toro thing. The, um, Tales of Arcadia? Ah, uh-huh. Who am I trying to say? Del, del Toro. No. Guillermo. Gu- yeah, Guillermo del Toro did these. Yeah. Those animated series, and there's three of them. Yeah. Um, I don't think I saw the first series about the rock trolls. There's yes. That was really good. Yeah, very good. Is it trolls? Maybe so. They're not trolls. They are. <laughs> Um, or maybe they are trolls. I think it is, yeah. Oh yeah, it's called trolls. How to train your trolls? <laughs> but then the the next one's called Three Below, and it's about aliens. But it it plays into Arcadia, and then the third one is called Wizards, and it brings it back around to what was going on with the trolls. Cool. Um, I somehow missed the alien one entirely. It's really good. I really enjoy that. Three, three below. Um, and Gabby's song was inspired by. I guess so. That's just that's what her text said. You haven't listened to these songs yet. I have. I've listened. Okay. Listened to them a bunch of times. Actually, they're really good. Okay. Super excited about them. Uh. While I was doing my laundry over it. Taking Kathleen's, I started watching that show Severance. Okay. On Apple TV. Yeah. The, do you know this? I I've just seen the trailers for it. So do you know the premise? It's like you enroll in this program. It's like this dark, all-ruling corporation, pharmaceutical corporation, or something uh-huh. that also does tech and stuff. I don't know. They, they mentioned it in the first episode. I don't watch the first episode. And not even all of the first episode. But yeah. This you, is where we like to do our reviews. You sever you sever your uh, work and life and real life memories. Oh. So when you go to work you don't remember, you don't your remember life. anything about your real life and when you leave you don't remember anything about work. Oh. And so it unfolds. Is that healthy? I seems so. Horrible idea to me. Oh, okay, okay. Anybody who's ever read science fiction knows that this is a bad idea, and that's like that way is the way to like open up the gates to hell, basically. Um, to have two separate lives. Yeah, to, and to have just these periods of darkness, you know, that's always going to, that's where horrible things are going to grow in that unfilled id, mm. right? Um. <laughs> I believe you. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. Are, are you referring to something? Uh, I'm just saying. I've done. No. 
no. I'm not catching on. I was mostly, for the mostly kidding. <laughs> it's mostly kidding around. But yeah, just uh, and yeah, this this strong the 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 tone of the show gives you a strong feeling that everything about this is horrible. I see. And uh, Adam Scott is the main character. Well, do you see him in his life? Yeah. And then you also see him at his work. Yeah, it begins at work, and work is scary as shit, terrifying. Like work. Yeah. Just like work. And then he goes in, in real life where it's clear that he doesn't fit. Eventually, realize he's he had lost his wife about a year ago. I see. And he's really depressed about that. He's got an alcohol problem, and uh, his sister. And her husband, like, get him involved with this. It turns out it's called, like, a, a no-meal dinner. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. You get together and you have the conversations like you would at dinner, but you don't actually eat. Oh. Uh, it's, like, it's implied to be, like, some sort of, like, New Age California thing, you know, like. Uh, no-meal dinner, sure. You know. <laughs> cool. Dippy, dippy, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's really not happy there. You, like, you get the impression this is a very like a nice, normal, funny guy who uh, has really gone off. So the you get the impression the reason he decided chose he chose this is that there would at least be this forty hours when he's at work that he won't remember his the loss of his wife. You uh, know? Right. So really, when you think about it, a really tough decision to make. You know, and, I, and then what does he do with all those other hours? Turns out he just drinks like boxed wine, basically. Um, Oof, you know, <laughs> you know you're in trouble when you're drinking boxed wine. Super intense. I don't know. Uh, I don't know that I. I would. Uh, I don't know. I would recommend this show to anybody, but I also can't wait to get back to it. You know, <laughs> I saw it and it looked interesting, but uh, that's I get such a small window of like TV time. Yeah. You wouldn't and want to spend it on almost, like the most depressing show ever made. It's almost always pretty light, even though I did. <laughs> you know, you see, we watched C, and and then oh yeah, and then I I finally finished. Um, well, C, I mean, it's got sexy Jason, hyper sexy Jason Momoa in it. So yeah, and it's, I mean, it's it's also terrifying, I guess, but. <laughs> But not in a psychological, well, and also in a psychological way. Oh, uh, yeah. The stuff with the queen and stuff is pretty fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, try I'm trying to keep it light during those times. I understand it. Keep it gear on. Since, Trolls. Since we're, um, we, it's, it's been a while since we watched those. I'm going to. I'd, I'd watch those again. Three Below is worth watching. My passion for science fiction is not going to let me not finish Severance, so. Tell you how okay. it is when it's All right. done. That's good. But I don't imagine it's going to be. I, I stumbled on something on the Netflix that's been kind of capturing my thoughts in the last few days. Uh, it's the Kanye documentary. Gen oh. Genius, spelled J E E N dash Y U H S. And I don't understand that. So Kanye's got this buddy, Cootie. And Cootie had this uh, cable access show in Chicago in the 90s called Channel Zero. And Cootie would just go interview any visiting rap artist or, you know, hip hop group. And Channel Zero became pretty, pretty well known in the in the rap community, especially in Chicago. Uh, but I think even outside of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And then he. Cootie met Kanye just through people and and um, Kanye was a kid and and then, you know, he was kind of coming up and making beats for everybody. And then he moved to New York and Kanye asked Cootie to move, come to New York with him and keep filming him. And so this he just started filming him. And this is this period where he's like he knows all the biggest rap stars. He's making beats for them. He makes this beat for Jay-Z, the blueprint album, the H to the Izzo beat and, you know, becomes, he's kind of in with Rockefeller records and, and he knows Jay and Dame Dash. And, um, and then he's also, but Kanye's trying to be a rapper. And then he's also kind of getting in with Talib Kweli and most deaf 
and and their record label is raucous mm-hmm. and he's kind of tra- traversing this whole world and trying to figure out i mean he wants to get signed by whoever and raucous ends up passing on him and then it's just rockefeller and just watching kanye as a young man and how he was not going to take no for an answer dedicate the dedication the vision the like whatever you think about kanye now and and you know we know what's happened to kanye over the last 20 years but back then and when he was just coming up and the, all of this really raw footage of this, this dude hanging out with him and like he moves to new york he's got this apartment in new jersey he's got his beat set up there people coming by listening to his shit he's just like writing all this shit and just like at one point he goes to the Rockefeller offices and just like bum rushes the offices and just going from office to office, playing his songs and rapping for people. And, and um, then he even gets signed finally by Rockefeller and, uh, and Rockefeller, excuse me. And uh, a year goes by where he's like a signed artist, but he's not his, his late, his album isn't, getting put together and that keeps getting pushed back and then he just starts doing it himself i don't know mm. i i i have i love those first that especially that first album the college dropout even the next two albums uh now kanye lost me along the way a little bit as he did change uh, everyone yeah i i think you know when you're a young person and you achieve all your dreams and you have all the fame and money and everything that goes with it, that can work on your psyche. I think also maybe he had some mental health problems to begin with. Also, he was in that car crash, you know, like he was he was getting close to getting the album uh, put together. And he was in the, he went to L.A. to do some beats for somebody and then he was in a car wreck messed up his face broke his jaw but then that like turned into its own inspiration and he wrote through the wire which was one of his first big hits and he he paid his own money to put together the album for it and had a party to show the album and that was when damon dash finally like saw the vision and saw what he was about and was like that's when they just opened up the book the the purse strings and said, let's make this album. And, mm-hmm. um, I don't know the, the dedication and the, the persistence and, and the talent, I mean, lyrically and, and beat wise, Kanye is just, he was amazing, especially at that time. Like he really was next level at that time in so many ways. Like, um, you know, Rockefeller was was really like the tough guy, kind of kind of bling bling kind of label, and like Kanye was a little more hip hop and like saying some stuff that other people weren't saying on records. Like, um, you know, I'm so self conscious. That's why they always see me with at least one of one of my watches. Roll these impostas and drove me crazy. I can't even pronounce nothing past that Versace. <laughs> then I spent 400 bucks on this just to be like, brother, you ain't up on this. And I can't even go to the grocery store without some ones that's clean and a shirt with the team. It seems we live in the American dream. The people highest up got the lowest self-esteem. The prettiest people do the ugliest things for the road to riches and diamond rings. You know, I, yeah. that was, that was the stuff he was saying was, was, mind blowing to like the rap community and yeah very different ways. from what everybody was saying yeah yeah, yeah for sure so i don't know it's it's weird to have been a fan of someone and watch like through time as as fame and fortune twisted them and and uh you know and i mean now you know he's like a trump supporter you know what's what's wrong with kanye <laughs> i don't know I'm interested to see where this documentary series goes. And there's only two episodes so far, but Cootie's like, they, it started with them filming him recently and then they flash back. So th- this thing may go on to talk about the next 20 years. I don't know. I have the easiest time. I don't know if me saying this out loud is going to reflect well on me or well and it's being recorded so it's not just saying it out loud but go ahead please 
I feel like I have the easiest time understanding the minority minorities' relationships with Donald Trump because he seems to like he spends his money in a way that you know makes him more appealing to the working man. You know, he's the guy who's got. He's the guy who, you know, doesn't take any shit from anybody. He's the guy who uh, is going to put gold gold buckles on his airplanes, you know, seatbelts. You know, he, he does it no matter what. Nobody's going to judge him for it. He's going to do it his way, you know. And uh, I think that that, uh, you know, I understand why that appeals to, and also to cultures that tend to be, um, that tend to celebrate, you know, a certain machismo. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that he registers more on their scale. Yeah, um, you can see how rappers could appreciate his. But also, his like it, it all just comes back to people who you know felt like feel like particularly you know upper class white people have been looking down on them for a long time, and that's the same with you know with working class America. You know, they. I don't, I, you know, you wonder if any of them really ever even believed they were going to get jobs from him, but they, they didn't have jobs now, so they don't have anything to lose. And there was this guy who at least annoyed their hoity-toity liberal friends, you know, and that was that was fun for them because these guys had been looking down their noses at him, whether, or at least they felt that way, whether it was really happening or not. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that. The smugness of the left is a problem. I think that my brother had some problems with that when he went to law school, you know, at UT, and so, you know, and everybody, he didn't necessarily, he just realized that everybody was, either you were, either you had a liberal left philosophy or you were looked down upon. There was no alternative to that, you know, right. and I think that that's, that's something that bugged him. Um, and so he became sensitive to that. And then I, you know, growing up, I had the opposite thing, but I kind of got it from, you know, my educated mother's family. Like, I remember, like, me once bringing up, like, water conservation at the dinner table, like, everybody laughing at me. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> and, you know, stuff like that. And I felt like, like, there was never an alternative. You know, there's never, you could never talk about the other side of any issue. So, like, kind of that situation forced me to the left. Yeah. You know, and Dickie's situation kind of forced him away from it a little bit. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, there's always that, you know, like, when, you, when you're wondering how a culture came to be, you know, you got to find that, that other flip side of the coin that it was, it was probably, like, there's always somebody looking down at somebody for some reason, you know. Yeah. Usually it's, usually it's uh, related to money. You know, usually it's financial. but. Um, it's, you know, it's cultural too. And I think, you know, for someone like Kanye, who he had all the talent, but, you know, Jay-Z was holding the purse strings, you know, to, you know, have to see somebody who was like, uh, you know, I take money and I throw it around. I don't, you know, care where it comes from. It comes and goes. Uh, that's, you know, probably something that Kanye understands very well. And, uh, and of course, he was, uh, he's working uh, in, like, a, the old model of the music business, too. Yeah. Now, now you, it's really you, funny. To like you had think, to get signed by a record company to, to make an album. But right? Donald Trump did was born with was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, you know. All of his money is inherited. You know? So it's not like... Yeah, see, I, know, I, I, will, I will never understand. But nobody any, seems to care about why that. Why any kind of, of, of working man... Or somebody like Kanye, who didn't come from anything and yeah. made everything, how he could look at Donald Trump with and, any kind of and I uh, think it's all because of how Trump presents himself. It's like it doesn't have anything to do with what with the facts, with the reality. It has to do with how he the you know the story that he tells, and I think a lot of people understand that too. You know, especially a rapper understands that you can control your own story. Yeah, yeah. And that, I saw those ridiculous pictures of him with the like buffet of fast food McDonald's, just like stacks of McDonald's stuff that he, some, 
event at the White House that Donald uh-huh. Trump had, had 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 just had fast food, you know, and like, yeah, just pandering, you know, to your to your base. People are like, man, that's what I eat that too. Yeah, you know, um, it's, <laughs> it's insane. I it's it's insane. I'm so, ugh, I feel politically disenfranchised again after well after the trump era and then the hope of the joe biden administration (laughs) and how i feel like the democrats just really just fumbled it all and and then i just sort of lose hope in that there's no real leaders i like this i like volodymyr Zelensky. he's handling his business over there he was a guy who was like a popular actor Became the president, was very popular at first, but like things were were not going good. It was it's tough being president. It was going right down. But man, this war, he's back on top, baby, and he seems like a real leader. But what do I? I mean, what, what do I know about Ukrainian politics? Seriously, some people need that kind of thing in their lives. To... Maybe maybe that's all that same dog and pony show. I, I don't know. But 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 again, seriously. Where are the people who are like full of integrity that you really want to vote for? But because it's the system, man, the system draws in not those people. Politics in general, the the desire for power deep in the hearts of men doesn't allow you to like be like an upstanding kind giving servant of the people and you can make it to the top of that pile yeah yeah there's the the leaders are just not gonna make it to the top of that pile the leaders are people in your community and there's no room to shake things up there's no you know the all the you have to in order to get where you are you have to make all of the compromises you know you have to water down everything you have to just like here on this podcast you can say whatever you want to get there but you can't bring any of it with you, it seems. It would seem so. It would seem so. Well, we'll see. I'm I'm excited to see what happens with uh, the Biden administration and the midterms and the war in Ukraine. And yeah. I'm just excited. That's a good way of looking at it. You know what else I'm excited about? It's always interesting to see what happens next. Yeah. I'm a little bit excited about Austin FC. Yeah. We went to our first Austin FC game as a family. Nice. On Saturday night. It was the season opener. A big win, right? Yeah, against Cincinnati FC, the other worst team in the league. I believe that last year Austin finished second to last in the Western Conference. Cincinnati was last in the Eastern Conference and and way, like, points-wise, way at the bottom. Um, and we beat them. We beat them. Four, it, four to zero. Or? It was five, five nil. Indeed. Five to zero. Um, it was a grim day weather-wise in Austin, Texas. It was like a high of forty and drizzle most of the day. And I, we didn't have tickets, and I just thought, you know, people are going to want to give up their tickets. And I, I have this feeling like this is what the British do all the time. It's cold. It's wet. They go down to the stadium. It's stadium so close to the house. It's so easy to just drive over there and park. We just park on the street and mm-hmm. and are able to just walk a short distance. And and I got some great seats, center court, twelve rows up from the lower level. It was, wow, it was fantastic. My kids were just blown away. They were like, "Dad, you said we're you just said we're gonna go to a soccer game, and here we are." And like, <laughs> cool. um, it was fun. Even even Amy had fun. It was, it was a good time. The, I got to say, the crowd in Austin is so cool, man. Yeah. I've, on, I've only been to two games, but both times, and I don't like crowds. I don't like crowded situations. But, man, it's so much fun, and everybody's having a good time. And the, the facility probably helps. Like, it's the way it's laid out with bathrooms and, and food and drink, it's easy. Everything's very easy. Yeah. And it's a, it's a small... It feels small, the venue, even though there's 20,000 people there. Yeah. You know? um, That's good. Good you times. Know, our friends, uh, Alex and Nichols, uh, 
talked about that, and because they, they were not, definitely not, they were not sports fans at all, and you know, they went to the first game last year just because people were doing that, right? They got tickets through work, and they were like, "All right, let's go check this out." It was their first like sporting event ever, you know. And I, they talk about just that's the attitude of all the people that they were sitting with. Like they immediately felt like they're a part of something bigger yeah. and like they bought it up and they like went home. Uh, Nicholas shelled out for, <laughs> for like season tickets. For more. Yeah. And uh, they're like the two biggest AFC fans that you ever met. It's, it's a good time. I gotta say I, I was. I think uh, that's great. I think that's great that the kids were excited. And, oh man. The kids had a great time. And, uh, I, I do think that there are, if you want to just wait until two hours before game time, that's the time to buy tickets. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Dolly, 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 ATX. I'm, I'm learning all the chants. Mm. And there's the one with uh, McConaughey. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> which is. <laughs> which yeah. is the French. Um, allez, 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 allez. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? Speaking of French, I wanted to do a little yows. Yes, sir. Remember our old segment, yeah. yows, where we define some words? I put it in the parody today. Yo, um, well, let me ask you, Shafi, what do you, what do you know about this phrase? Uh, and and how would you say that? Do you say that funny? Laissez le bon temps rouler. There it is. Okay. Laissez le bon temps rouler. I always I always have trouble with it. But it is Mardi Gras, and I just wanted to bring up that expression. Uh let the good times roll. Let the good times roll, yeah. Have you ever been to Mardi Gras? In New never Orleans? have, no. No. I've been to New Orleans a bunch, but never, yeah. been, to, never been to Mardi Gras. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. I, I, I mean, I've been to New Orleans a few times, but you know, know like every time I've been out on Bourbon Street, you know, it's been a wild zoo. So uh, I don't know what could really be added to the scene by just adding two hundred thousand people to the mix. You yeah, know? I don't. I don't think I don't want to go to Mardi Gras. Um, I do want to go to New Orleans over and over again until it sinks in the sea. But, yeah. Um, I would, uh, I'd like to go to Jazz Fest sometime. My experience with New Orleans is so bizarre, though. Like, the first time I went, Amy was pregnant, and it was freezing cold. It was in December. <laughs> we got a, a, we got a hotel room down in the quarter. Yeah. But, like, she was way pregs, and, and it was, it was, it was unbearably cold outside. It really was. And, like, we went out to eat. I know that the the Falcons were in town, like oh, for the following game day. Yeah. yeah, and the the biggest thing I remember was that we went to eat in the quarter, and then we walked around Bourbon Street, and I remember seeing this guy with his Falcon gear on, Dirty Bird gear on, just absolutely high posting. Like he was out showing everybody that he was ready. I'm doing the arm motion for the dirty bird. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was ready for the game. Um, so there was that time, and then it, we we keep going to New Orleans like with the kids and stuff. And I've I've never really had like a night out in yeah. New Orleans like proper. Night out. I definitely have. Yeah, I've had okay. some really wild ones. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we used to go and in, in college we would go. I don't know how I found it. Mike Sammons found it because. Mike Sammons had gone just once or twice when he was in high school. Um, and he found this hotel. It was called the St. Anne Marie Antoinette. It was like, you know, two hotels that combined into one. Uh, <laughs> down just off, off Bourbon Street. Super cool, old, funky hotel. Had this crazy courtyard in it. And I often found the the bartender there was always this guy named John and he was a New York, New Orleans lifer born and raised in the quarter. And you know, this is a weird phenomenon. I'd read about those people born and raised in the French quarter in New Orleans talk like they're from, they sound like they're from Brooklyn. Yeah. I've noticed that. 
Uh, I've noticed how that, and he was one of those. So I love just sitting there and talking to John, and I would actually end up doing that several hours a day every trip to New Orleans. I would just sit in this cool courtyard, you know, had the stone wall, the kind of stuccoy stone walls around, and the wrought iron furniture, like a lot of things that you think about about New Orleans, like French windows and stuff. Um, It felt the whole the courtyard felt very New Orleans. Uh, John Todd, the house drink was a French 75, which, you know, mixed gin and champagne, which totally blew my mind. I'd never heard of that before. Uh, and I would drink those and just talk to John. And then years later, so this is probably three or four times in my life, I went and had that experience. John was always there. Uh, and the courtyard was always beautiful. And years later, I was reading Bob Dylan's book, Chronicles, which is just a memoir of stuff. It turns out when he was recording what was for him very much a comeback record, Time Out of Mind, he produced that on with Daniel Lanois. They recorded in New Orleans, and he lived at the St. Anne Marie Antoinette. And he talked about sitting in the evenings with Daniel Lanois. They both they both were staying there because they were both from out of town, uh, recording at a studio there. And he talked about sitting, and he describes the courtyard and the wrought iron furniture. And right. he was about sitting there with Daniel Lanois drinking. And I was like, just like, holy shit, that's like... Done the exact same thing, uh-huh. you know. I think he even mentioned like the like the New Orleans bartender too. Like, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> it's just like I get chills to think like if the if, if the things that, if the chips had fallen in the right way, like we could have just been there on the same night. <laughs> if you'd been born twenty years earlier, right? No. Oh, oh no! Because that, that was, was no, like that album was recorded in the nineties. Oh, yeah, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, no, it would have just it's just a matter of luck. I see. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Bob Dylan wasn't sitting in the courtyard with me. Um, I think it would have taken a lot of French seventy fives to uh, <laughs> for me to miss that. To miss that. Yeah. yeah, we were big Dylan fans, at yeah. even at the time. But funny thing is, that's not even the yows that I that I wanted. Oh yeah, to we didn't get the yows. <laughs> No, well, I would. I mentioned yows, and oh, yeah. this is like a yows. I just wanted to talk about the les élèves bon temps roulé. So, what's the history of that phrase? Well, it's a French pronunciation. It's a Cajun phrase. The phrase is a. I don't know this word. Calque, calque. Loan translation is a word or phrase borrowed from another language. By literal word for root or word for word or root for root translation. Interesting. C A L Q U E. Calc. Mm. When used as a verb to calc means to borrow a word or phrase from another language. Mm. So it's a phrase, a calc of the English phrase, let the good times roll. I see. So that's not how you would say it in the Latin, but let the good times roll. And they've, 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 transliterated that right appropriated it huh this phrase is often mentioned in louisiana and around the gulf coast where mardi gras is celebrated that is absolutely the only place that i've ever heard it (laughs) mentioned um and in the car song let the good times roll yeah well and the french and the french version which alex battles Song that one time. Um, no, but seriously, the yows I wanted to discuss was the word defenestration. Okay. Have you ever heard of that word? Yeah. I had heard of it too. And I, I think that I had understood it in this like second um, informal uh, version, which is the action of dismissing someone from a position of Power or authority. Oh, yeah. Defenestration. But literally, it yeah. is the action of throwing someone out a window. And that's uh, that's also uh, the French word for window is fenêtre. So oh, okay. Defenestrate. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes that sense. That from the French, too. Uh, it's the term was coined around the time of a, of an incident in Prague Castle. Yeah, in where the year they threw the entire government out the window. <laughs> yeah, defenestration. Yeah, it can be. You know, it's it's, it's an obviously it's a, a a noun, but it can also be a proper noun describing one specific event. Where in Prague, in what what year? 
Uh, that was in 1618. They threw the entire they they, they were they had it. They threw the entire governing body out the window. Well, now that I'm looking at it, there are a number of uh, of historical defenestrations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, when you're really done with a ruler, you toss him out a window. And that uh, that this came from a time when. The rulers ruled from the tops of castles, and there were no windows in. The <laughs> yeah, like for instance, in 1383, Bishop Dom Martino was defenestrated by the citizens of Lisbon, having been suspected of conspiring with the enemy when Lisbon was besieged by the Castilians. Yeah, that makes sense. And how about uh, Batman Returns? <laughs> isn't Christopher Walken the evil corporate leader? Isn't he defenestrated at the end of that? Do you remember a scene of him falling out of building? Well, which one was that? Batman Returns? Yeah. The Michael, second Michael Keaton, Tim okay. Burton one. Okay, okay. Christopher okay. Walken was the corporate, and I think he gets defenestrated at the end of that movie. There, there are so many damn Batmans at this point. Yeah, there's a lot of Batman. There's a new Batman. How about... The end of RoboCop isn't the bad guy defenestrated. Ah, uh, yeah, I think that is correct. We so, I mean, well, I had Dad went on that because Dad and I saw RoboCop when I was in sixth grade. Now there's there's also auto defenestration, which is throwing yourself. Oh yeah, that's another window. story. Uh, quick shout out to my dad. He's a uh, but he's been catching up lately. Your dad's been listening to the podcast again. Yeah. He uh, ordered both of Sean's books, so that's fantastic. We should get an avocado review, yes, from yeah. him of Sean's books. Okay, yes. Well, also, I need to read Sean's book. Yeah. <sighs> well, somebody remind me to edit that out. Lots to do. <laughs> um. Why don't we just have a poetry corner and put this to bed? Oh my god. What about good bug? Good bug. Bad bug. Oh yeah, what about good bug, bad bug? That was on the that was on the sheet too. <laughs> good bug, bad bug. Shafi, it says here, good bugs, bad bugs. That's a that's Can a you clarify segment that I thought about because because your son out here was talking about Griffin was talking about a bug in his room and it turned out to be a mosquito hawk or what I've always called mosquito hawks. They're big. They're kind of like they're like flying daddy long legs. Oh, Jay Cryer. Should we have a <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we don't. no. <laughs> on the fly guest? That'd be so much fun. No, we gotta wrap this up. Except you would uh that would that would turn into a very long episode, wouldn't it? It could be a long episode. <laughs> well, we should have him on some. I don't think he was calling to be on the podcast. No, I know. Yeah. But, but I, just but he, for he, the record, everybody, be game for it. if you call one of us while we're doing the podcast, that does not make you a guest on the podcast. I think I think it should. If you want to call me, we'll make you a guest. <laughs> All right, everybody. Tuesday nights, eight thirty-seven Central Time to nine thirty-seven Central Time. Usually, right, right about then. Nine fifteen. That's the perfect time. Jay didn't call till nine thirty-six, so. It's kind of late, Jay. Yeah. Uh, good bug, bad bug. Are there? Do you guys have a good bug, bad bad bug policy in your house, or is every bug bug a bad bug? Um, this is this is convoluted because Amy has some serious bug issues, mm. and I certainly have good bug, bad bug. There, I mean, I don't kill spiders on a wanton. Yeah, at, at all, really. I, I'll try to get a spider out of my house. I'm the same way. I try not to kill spiders. Um, yeah, yeah, certainly. But but then, I think Amy has given the all bug equal bad bug uh, vibe to the kids. To the kids, yeah. That's, and you know, I can understand that one. Moths. You know, I'll get worry. a moth if I can, but also I'll just let it hang out in the house for a few days. The problem with moths is they they will eat your clothes. Yeah, yeah. So, um. Yeah, what what's your, on your list? Gives, yeah, gives your good bugs list. Uh, I, I really think most of them. You know, and I live in a, I live in an ivy covered covered house, ivy covered cave so, or castle, depending ivy, on ivy the pronunciation. Casa, casa. <laughs> <laughs> and so that I, is kind of a, I see quite a, a compromise. Few, 
quite a few bugs. Is it a castle? Is it? <laughs> is it a castle? Is it a casa? Is it a cave? It's kind I think of a... casa is the is a nice compromise between yeah. cave and somewhere castle. between yeah. cave and castle. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I try. You know, I think obviously if it's a cockroach, I kill it. I don't really see too many of them, which I think might have to do with me letting the spiders run around, you know? Yeah. I'm bug blind. I don't see cockroaches. Mm. (laughs) 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 The cock that that is the a number one issue in the house. Like Amy has like a legitimate phobia. You know what? That's that's a little over the top. You want people to think that you're a bad housekeeper. I mean, they're just, just trying to survive too. Of course. Know, and they're you know. doing a better job of it, they say. Than, oh. Yeah, they're probably going to be okay. Uh, they're not worried about climate change. Let me tell you what. <laughs> I tell you what. Um, somebody was talking about somebody being Teflon. Oh, and I can't remember now. They were like, at the end, you know, at the end of the world, there's going to be cock, there's going to be cockroaches left. And then I think, and share. And nice. And then this person, I can't remember who it was. Uh, like, I like the idea of share being eternal. I hope she's eternal. Absolutely. She brings me a lot of joy. Um, do you have a poetry corner for us to just life after love put a bow on this or rather the song's called believe you know what's significant about that song i don't first studio use of auto tuning oh well thanks again Cher. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot <laughs> uh Type share poem into Google. Oh, you wrote you wrote poetry corner on the sheet like you had a poem <laughs> locked and loaded. You just wrote it on there because you knew that's the end. Yeah. Well, we could just make a template that just has the spot <laughs> for the date and the episode number and poetry corner at the end. Gypsies, tramps, and thieves. By Cher, when I hear her deep-throating voice, I smile, begin to sway with the music, feeling sexy and a bit naughty. It brings me back to 1971. I feel my hip-hugger blue jeans worn under my waist. I am young, cute, pretty. I am Cher, tall, svelte, attractive, showing off my essence, wearing my Bob Fosse costumes, my Indian headdresses, shaking a tambourine, loving my height, my Native American cheekbones, putting my Cherness into the air, afraid to be completely... Unafraid to be, be completely myself, making no apologies for being awesome. Wait, was that a poem written by Cher? No, that was by someone online who called themselves Pink Fairy 5. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Thank goodness. <laughs> and wow, they Pink Fairy 5 wrote a bunch of poems about Cher. So maybe we'll come back to Pink Fairy 5's work. I wanted to just clarify right here at the end that we stand with Ukraine. And, you know, just because I've been to Russia and have Russian friends doesn't mean I'm sympathizing with Vladimir Putin. Yeah. And I, you know. I'm I'm rooting for the NATO alliance. I know, like, to say, to say nothing is to tacitly support. I don't like. I don't want to say, like, hey, Russia, get your shit in line, you know, because we just, you know, spent four years with Donald Trump as our president. So they they got the same thing going on there. They got moneyed interests running the show and they got a bunch of people who aren't real leaders that, uh, that love power. And so they've clawed their way to the top. And I can tell you that the people of Russia and the people of America are way more the same and different. And, you know, all, all that geopolitical BS is is nonsense when it comes to peoples as peoples. It's ter- It's terrible that Ukrainian civilians are losing their lives. It's terrible that Russian sons and daughters are going to be losing their lives mm. too. You know, it's awful. So, I I, I, w- I want to 
go on the record saying that one magical hour is against war. We, yeah. We're we're a bunch of peaceniks. We're a bunch of peace loving hippies up here. For all of the politicians we have in this world, they should be able to work this out. You know, yeah, you would think. that's one of the things we pay them to do. You would think. All right. Well, we love you. Love rules. And the poor are the choices. Just be the wise. Little courses from my